Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest for this hour is Andrew Ajami. Uh, He is the president of Ajami Financial, uh, based in Guilford, Connecticut. Welcome to the show, Andrew. Well, thank you, Jordan. I appreciate it. Glad to be here. Let's just start with a little bit of your background and uh, your role as a financial advisor. So give us a little bit of your history as far as forming the firm and what you did before that. Well, uh, uh, you know, originally I was, I'm an ordained minister and I came into uh, this industry because I I felt that uh, God led me into this. But, uh, you know, aside from that, when I came in, uh, I saw this industry as uh, uh, being the financial service industry, and I thought that was an oxymoron, uh, you know, because it seemed like everything was about sales. And so uh, coming from the ministry background, I uh, decided that I wanted to form my business uh, based upon uh, service and to earn uh, people's uh, um, business through serving them. And uh, that's uh, what I did and built the infrastructure to do that. So I've been doing that for uh, over 25 years now. So tell me a little bit about your clients and what services do you offer to them? Okay, well, I uh, appreciate that. The, uh, uh, I work with people who are in retirement and just before retirement. Uh, uh, so these are people that um, um, have, have built their nest egg, so to speak, and are wanting to keep it, wanting to retire and stay retired. Um, you know, the, what has happened uh, back in 2008 uh, with, the, with the crash and so forth, we were able, our clients were able to, to keep, uh, you know, to stay retired and, and to enjoy that and retire even during that time. Um, but uh, we work with uh, helping them to be able to uh, uh, create the income uh, that they need uh, when they retire. Uh, you know, people don't usually need a million dollars in a lump sum when they retire. They need a check. And uh, that's kind of what we do for our clients. So your website is ajemy.com, A-G-E-M-Y.com. What kind of services, what if people find if they go to your website? Well, they'll find that uh, we are um, a uh, uh, registered investment advisory firm uh, through, and I have another one, which is Ajme Wealth Advisors. That's the, actually the uh, registered investment advisory firm. So we're fiduciaries for folks. And uh, when they go on there, they'll find um, a little bit about our history, a little bit about who's uh, working here and what we're doing, uh, but especially um, the the concept of some of we have very we have various videos because we focus on uh, education of people. Education is very big. We feel that kind of like uh, you know educated consumer is uh, our best uh, our best client kind of thing. So we have a lot of videos on there where I explain different um, topics and different points of the industry that a lot of times people don't get in a clear fashion from others. So uh, there's a lot of different information there and an opportunity to um, receive um, information. So what is the biggest complaint you're hearing from clients today? People who are retired or just about to go into retirement, if they keep their money in so-called safe alternative CDs, money funds, T-bills, they're pretty much earning zero today. Is that a, a big complaint you hear? Um, uh, well, that is, that is a, a big concern of people, yes. 
uh, they're very concerned because they think that uh, you know when they when we talk about investment, you know the the universe of income generating investments other than the stock market, they think that of, of those things, Jordan. And uh, you know, so many times when people think of investing, they think of the stock market or the bank, you know, or, or those, like you say, T bills and such. Uh, but there's a universe of options that are in between there, and so that's why we we uh, you know six to eight nine different things that we use to help people uh, to generate income. Uh, without putting their their hard earned dollars at risk, and uh, uh, a lot of people don 't understand that so we 're doing a lot of trying to help people to um, uh, have some clarity on that so do you uh, recommend things or you actually manage their money and pick the stocks and bonds and ETFs yourself or is it well, a uh, discretionary account or how do you do it well, we have uh, two two ways typically what happens is uh, uh, the big thing that I do Jordan is i I uh, have a process. Uh, that I use, and in this process, uh, once uh, people commit to me, uh, I commit to them as many options and as many meetings as we need to to uh, figure out what is in their best interest. I work as the chief financial officer; they're the chief executive officers of their portfolios. I bring to the table the information, the explanations, uh, the pros, the cons, expected returns of what's available. And basically, at the when we're done with that, they're telling me what they'd like to invest in. And um, for some of those things that are more on, on the aggressive side, yes, we do uh, we do have discretion, and and we do our fiduciaries for them to do what's in their best interest. On some of the other things, um, you know, they've decided that uh, they want a little bit more security. It doesn't take as much management, so uh, there's really not much to do on those. And those are the ones that uh, you know. And of course, with any of this, we don't make any changes without uh, their their permission to to move ahead with any of this. So. That's kind of the idea there. So let's go through some of the alternatives that you talk with people, since that's your market, is okay. retired and pre-retired people who want income without taking a lot of capital risk. Um, okay. let, let's start with maybe uh, preferred stocks would be an example. Yeah. Uh, do you like those, and how do you pick them, and, or do you do the ETFs? How do you do preferred stocks? Okay, yeah, we use, we use individual positions, uh, typically um, uh, investment grade, um, and uh, with that, uh, we're looking for the income. And a lot of people don't understand how uh, preferred stocks work, but um, you know, I call them a hybrid between a, a bond that creates income and a common stock that, uh, that creates primarily uh, um, appreciation and maybe some income. Uh, these things are created for income, and uh, you know, somewhere around a lot of our clients are getting you know, four or five, Six percent, maybe, in regard to income from these, and um, uh, with that, they can also have some uh, appreciation associated with those things as time goes on, um, so that they can kind of get the best of both. So we we enjoy using that for them, and people like that. Of course, there's some risk, but not near as much risk as, um, uh, in my opinion, at least, as far as uh, um, common stock goes, and. Um, you know, so are there some specific this, issue, issuers that you like, or are there some ETFs or open-end or closed-end funds that play preferred that you would recommend? Um, well, you know, I don't really don't uh, in, like 
too much uh, the ETFs and the and any of the funds, whether they be open or closed. And um, you know, my view is that uh, we're going to be having a, another market drop here, very significant, uh, very much uh, in line with maybe the one that happened in 2003, 2008. And um, so, with that, I'm trying to make sure that my client's money is safe and 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 preserving their income, preserving their assets, and giving them the income they need now and into the future, and being able to pass on. Uh, you know, whatever um, inheritance and, and legacy that they like to, whether, whether that's to children or, or to uh, institutions or whatever that may be. Um, so with that, I don't, you know, I like to say with, with those. And the, and the preferreds are probably one of the most aggressive things um, uh, that we do uh, for the most part. There might be a, a few other things in there, maybe some real estate investment trusts or whatnot. Yeah, we're um, going to get to those first. Let's just finish off with preferreds. So you don't like the ETFs sure. or the funds. So are there some specific issuers and what industries are they in from, that you like preferreds in? Um, uh, as far as issuers go, you know, typically with the uh, preferreds, they're usually some kind of financial insurance or, or, or bank, that kind of thing. Um, I like to try to get as much diversification as I can with those. So I don't have a particular uh, industry or, or, or issuer in particular. Uh, I just like to get diversification in there. And if I don't have to have uh, 100% of bank or, or financial um, preferreds, so I like to, I like to, you know, have as, uh, you know, have a, a lesser amount of those uh, than lesser than 100%, I should say. And if I can, if I can get away with 50% or so, well, I'm feeling like I'm pre- doing pretty good with that. Another area you talk about is REITs, real estate investment trusts. Right. So do you like equity REITs or mortgage REITs or hybrid REITs? Uh, and, and do you like particular kind or retail or office or what, what kind uh, of REITs do you like these days? Well, well the, um, uh, it would be more on the, um, I like the health care REITs in particular. Uh, many times, uh, you know, what we have used uh, most recently are non-traded REITs, uh, which takes away some of the liquidity, but still creates a nice income for our clients if they can afford uh, afford that that luxury. Um, and uh, like I said, I like it into the healthcare industry because I think that that's going to be a more uh, uh, that that is a, a more stable kind of industry. It's going to it's here. It's going to be here for quite some time. Um, and then from there. Uh, you know, probably would go into the retail end. I like um, some, especially with grocery stores, because uh, I feel that uh, grocery stores um, are going to be around and, and people have to eat no matter what's happening. So I uh, try to, try to um, mix it up a little bit with that. So what are some of the specific uh, non-traded REITs that you would like in either the healthcare or the grocery store area? Um, uh, well, specifics, you know, that's a, that's a hard thing for me to say right now because I'm in, in between. Uh, last year we were offering some um, uh, that I would not recommend now, and I have not found some right at the moment that, I, that I'm particularly uh, uh, enjoying from that standpoint, uh, but am looking for um, and doing some research in regard to some of those right now. Uh, some of the other REITs that we're using, though, would be some of the traded REITs um, uh, from that angle uh, to be able to um, offset and be able to still give some. And, and BDCs, uh, Business Development Corporations, we're lo- using a little bit of those. Um, right, we'll, do, we'll do that next. Let's just stick on okay. the REITs for the moment. So what are some of the... <laughs> okay. What are some of the publicly traded REITs that you like then? Um, um, well, I, uh, um, oh boy, I just had having a uh, blank here. I, I can 
public storage is uh, one in particular that I, I like a lot because uh, okay. I think storage companies are good. Um, I think they're going to they are, have been around. They're going to be around. Public storage has has a lot has a good record from that standpoint. Um, uh, other than that, you know, there's a there's various um, uh, there's various REITs that um, are are used. Um, off the top of my head, I'm having a hard what time. Is the, what is the reason that you would like non-traded REITs compared to traded REITs? Do they offer higher yields? You are giving up liquidity, but what are you getting when you go to a private REIT instead of a traded REIT? Yeah, you're correct, Jordan. You, 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 get, a, you get a higher yield for that, and you also have, get a potential for some appreciation uh, because once they have what's called that liquidity event, when um, you know, for all essences, uh, for uh, the essence is that the um, uh, REIT, the non-traded REIT, becomes public uh, for the most part. That uh, that can there can be some appreciation uh, seen in that transaction that goes on and that public offering that may be may happen or they may sell to another REIT company uh, that's already in place and and appreciation happens so a higher dividend and um, as well as a pre uh, a positive liquidity event yeah. just roughly what kind of yield can you get in a good privately traded REIT before they have uh, a liquidity event. About six, six and a half, seven percent, somewhere in that vicinity. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Is what Very good. Around. Okay, we're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of the Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Andrew Agamy. Uh, he runs Andrew uh, Agamy Financial, uh, based in Guilford, Connecticut, uh, and his website is agamywealthadvisors.com. We'll be back after this. Always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus, topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. Bob Pritchard has over 30 years of experience as a straight-talking business consultant and author working with some of the top Fortune 500 companies. Now he's come to the Voice America Business Channel to help you and your business. Tune in to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show for information about starting and successfully running a profitable business. From the movers and shakers to great marketing screw-ups, you can't afford to miss a single edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Leadership is a vital skill set in today's competitive global economy. Being a leader is not enough. To succeed, you must optimize your performance and know how to imbue others in your organization with leadership skills. Practical, actionable leadership insights are the focus of Leadership Development News, hosted each Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, by Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler on the Voice America Business Channel. Doctors Greenberg and Nadler, who coach global leaders on how to be most effective, will share their insights and contacts. The path to leadership excellence begins here. 
We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Andrew Adjami. He's the founder and president of Adjami Financial Strategies. You can find out more about him at his website, adjamefinancialstrategies.com. Welcome back to the show, Andrew. Great. Thanks, Jordan. Appreciate it. So we're talking about ways for people, uh, particularly retired and pre-retired people, to want to hold on to their uh, principal and earn some decent yields. Uh, you would recommend what are called BDCs, which is Business Development Corporations. Maybe describe what that is and sure. what some of your favorite ones would be in that category. Okay. Okay. Um, um, the um, BDCs are uh, essentially that of um, uh, where companies that are not large enough to be able to have a bond offering for themselves or may not be, um, uh, they're somehow not um, um, having their, their own individual issue, are being, um, uh, uh, companies are loaning them money, these BDCs are loaning them money, this, this group, um, and so it's kind of like individual bond issues that are put together into, kind of, in a, into a portfolio uh, of, of more medium-sized companies or smaller companies and uh, kind of acts like a bond from that standpoint. So with that, uh, because they can't go the route of the normal, normal bond issue, uh, they are using, um, they're, getting, they're having to pay a little bit higher, uh, higher dividend from that standpoint and, uh, or interest rate associated with that. And so with that, to, the, to clients who we invest into these BDCs, uh, um, uh, they're able to... Um, uh, they're able to um, have some that um, uh, have the income that they need, have a good income because you, they can be in the again the six to, to seven percent range. Some maybe even a little bit higher, depending. Of course, the higher uh, the return goes, the less um, or the more uh, uh, aggressive that they are, and the more risk that's associated with those. But um, you know, ones that are are decent. Uh, would be you know probably six to seven, maybe seven and a half, somewhere in that vicinity. Um, so, what would be some uh, of your favorites in the BDC range? Um, uh, well, that, that that's a um, that's a good point with that. Uh, some of my favorites would be um, um, oh, I don't have them right off the top of my head, Jordan. I'm sorry, I can't can't help you. Can't do that right at the moment here. The my okay. my mine is taking a. Uh, a senior moment here from that standpoint. That's okay. So now, I've been told that a lot of the BDCs have a lot of loans to the oil business, to oil exploration companies, and with the oil being so low for such a long time that there's going to be a lot of distress and potentially bankruptcies there. Is that something you're concerned about with BDCs? Um, yes, that would be, that is. And so with that, I've tried to not take into, you know, I take that in consideration and make sure that these companies are, um, uh, are not in there, or if they are, you know, usually not the oil exploration companies, but um, some of the energy companies, I want to make sure that they have the finances to carry them through any difficult times and that they're still good and sound from that angle. Um, but, uh, so you're yes, not concerned that, about the dividends? You think the dividends from the BDCs are pretty solid and not going to be cut? Right, right, mm-hmm. right. 
Are, I, are I they like interest-sensitive vehicles? If interest rates have lately been going down, would help them. If interest rates were to go up, would that hurt the BDCs? Well, uh, you know, from my, my, the way I'm understanding it, no, it wouldn't be because these BDCs are, are it's kind of like uh, you're holding individual bonds. I know we're going to talk about that later on, but uh, what makes uh, individual bonds safe is the aspect that you're holding them to maturity. So these BDCs are holding these, these bonds, and so what affects, what affects um, uh, the dividends on bonds is when they're being traded. And, and, excuse me, nothing, it doesn't affect the dividends, but what affects bond prices is the trading of bond prices, and so with these BDCs, they're holding on to them, and the, the dividends are stay, staying um, uh, re- relatively stable from that standpoint. That's how I uh-huh. Okay, very good. All right, so another area you want to discuss was annuities um, as a way of retired people. Are you talking about fixed annuities or variable annuities or immediate annuities? What kind of annuities, and what are some things people should look for in annuities that they want and should avoid? Okay. All right. Um, uh, well, first of all, I, you know what I'd like to say is that how there are basically what I consider four different types of annuities, and usually when people think of annuities, they think of the old-fashioned thing that you would, um, you know, that you would give them a hundred the insurance company a hundred thousand uh, dollars. The insurance company gives you a check. Uh, it might be for the rest of your life, but you don't see that hundred thousand dollars anymore, and that's what's called an immediate annuity, and that's not what I'm talking about here um, uh, when, I'm, when I'm talking about annuities with people because that tends to, you know, you give up your principal, you give up control, and you, um, uh, it's, it tends to be, not, and you give up any inheritance for your children if that's of concern. Um, the second uh, type of annuity is variable annuity. Variable annuities are called variable annuities because they vary with the market. They go up and down with the market. Um, unfortunately, they tend to have um, a lot of fees associated with them in a lot of ways, whether they're admin fees, um, mortality and expense fees, um, or rider fees, that kind of thing. Um, they can be 2 3%. So, uh, you know, a 2 or 3% fee when the market is down uh, can gener- can can be uh, ha- you know work havoc on somebody's portfolio because of um, buying sh- selling shares at a lower price um, uh, when they're taking money out. So those two are usually the kind when people say don't buy an annuity that that's what they're talking about um, uh, for those reasons. Uh, the the ones that um, my clients focus on are ones that they're fixed annuities is the the third type. Fixed annuities are. Uh, called fixed because they're very much like um, CDs. They're the, ba- they're the insurance company's version of the bank CDs for the most part. And you get a fixed interest rate for a little bit, of, uh, you know, for a period of time. Typically, they are um, typically they are uh, uh, a little bit higher paying than banks are for the most part. Where today, uh, some fixed annuities are paying somewhere between two to three percent, and for a five-year annuity, where it's hard to find that in the bank right now. Um, then there's what's called fixed index annuities, and, and these, they go up when the market goes up, but they don't come down when the market comes down. But you might say, whoa, wait, wait a minute, Andrew, well, this is too good to be true. Well, they don't give you, if the market goes up 10%, maybe you get 5 or 5%, 6%, maybe depending what, what how it's arranged, but they don't give you all of what the market um, uh, uh, takes. So they're making up for it. In other words, by giving up yeah. some of the upside, you're protecting yourself on the downside. Exactly, exactly. And you think that's a good deal with all the fees involved? Then in the long run, is that better to do 
that a fixed annuity where you're locking yourself in for two or three percent for a long time? Well, yeah, I think so. Um, well, first of all, there's not usually fees unless you have a, an income rider associated with that that will guarantee you income for life. Um, uh, and you know, the re- average return is somewhere between uh, you know three to, to five, six percent over a period of time per year on those things. So you've got some upside potential without you know just getting a fixed you know two or three percent from that standpoint. So that often works for people. They like that a lot. Uh, and so with a, a fixed index annuity, when you die, does the principal go back to your family or do you lose the principal? Correct. Yep, yep. The, the, they, the company does not keep it like a fixed annuity. The comp- the, uh, you know, the, it goes back to your family. Your heirs get it. Yep. So what would be some of the writers, uh, the insurance companies behind these fixed index annuities that you would like? Uh, well, the writer would be an income writer that they often have, um, and what this does is it will guarantee you an income for life, and any, any without, it's kind of like, again, a hybrid where it's guaranteeing you an income, but if you die and there's money in the account, that money goes back to your heirs. And as a matter of fact, just today I had uh, some clients in where we were running an analysis between uh, a pension they had available, one of these with the income rider and, and, and immediate annuities. And, um, you know, the income rider one came out far ahead with flying colors as far as what was in their best interest as opposed to these other options that they had available to them. And so, what are some um, of the specific companies that are issuing these index fixed index annuities that you like? Um, uh, well, Lafayette Life Insurance Company is one of the, one of the strongest ones that I use, as well as uh, Allianz uh, Life Insurance Company North America is, is as well. Um, I, I like to use American Equity. They have some good products and some good um, options available there. Um, Great American is another one out of Cincinnati, Ohio. Great American Life Insurance Company works well, mm-hmm. too. They have some, some nice options for clients. So this is hard for the, the individual to figure out. There's a lot of different bells and whistles to figure out. So that's where right. a financial advisor would be helpful in figuring out the best deal for them. Is that correct? Exactly, exactly. And with this whole thing, Jordan, you know, that's a good point because when we're, we're talking BDCs, we're talking preferreds or whatever it is that we're talking, uh, you, know, you know, I would definitely recommend not... Uh, you know, going and putting all your money in any one sector, obviously, but the diversification is important. And depending uh, what diversification is dependent upon people's own uh, history, their their knowledge, their background, and their financial situation, obviously. Very good. Okay, we're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of the Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Andrew Ajami. Uh He is uh, the founder and president at uh, Ajami Financial Strategies. Uh, his website is ajamefinancialstrategies.com. He's based in Guilford, Connecticut. We'll be back after this. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Capital Thinking takes you inside the worlds of policy, politics, law, and business. 
What happens in government, the legal arena, and the business world impacts your business every day. And we're going to take you on a behind-the-scenes tour of it all. Each week, we'll bring you unfiltered conversation with a variety of influential policymakers and leaders. Squire Patton Boggs will be your guide as Capital Thinking tours the halls of power. Join us for Capital Thinking on the Voice America Business Channel each Thursday at noon Eastern and 9 a.m. Pacific Time. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Andrew Ajami. Uh, he is the founder and president at Ajami Financial Strategies based in Guilford, Connecticut. You can find out more about him at his website, ajamifinancialstrategies.com. Welcome back to the show, Andrew. Great. Thank you, Jordan. Appreciate Another it. Another area we want to talk about was individual bonds. So we've had an enormous bull market in bonds for a long time. Interest rates are really low. The long treasury is down about 1.7%. Um, uh, and, and the junk bond market has been hurt lately as all the concern about oil that we talked about before. Right. So what is your strategy for buying individual bonds in the current market? Well, um, we, we're looking at uh, bonds that are of, uh, uh, have strong uh, financials to them. Um, and the thing why we like individual bonds so much is the aspect of where if you hold a bond to maturity, that uh, you, and as long as the company is solid and liquid and, and uh, whatnot, that you get your money back. Uh, makes it somewhat like a CD from that standpoint, just not as safe. But um, uh, that's good. And then the interest rate that you're getting paid throughout that time is, is very solid from that. So we like them with that. And then, um, uh, but we're not going long term. We're not talking long term with this. We're talking maybe, um, you know, three years to maybe seven years, somewhere in that vicinity, uh, because we're expe- obviously expecting interest rates to change at some point. We don't want to get locked into something that's, uh, that's lower when we could get something higher later on. So, so you're, doing treasur- um, you're doing corporates, not treasuries, in the three to seven year maturity? Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. We're doing corporates primarily. The, the, treasur- the treasuries, individual treasuries, are so low right now that um, that that doesn't seem to be, to be prudent to people. Uh, because what I say to, to them is, if you get one of those now, it's kind of like shooting yourself in the foot with it, expecting interest rates to go up. Uh, should people have the the finances to be able to do that? Um, 
you know, if, if they, interest rates go up, it's like, uh, you know, they can't sell it, they lose money. If they can't keep it, then they're losing money. So we usually use other alternatives, and whether that might be a, a CD or, you know, that might be a, a, one of the annuities that we spoke about or um, some of the what other. What kind of a uh, yield can you get on a three- to seven-year corporate these days, high-quality corporate? Um, uh, we're in about the three or four percent or so if we can if we can find the ones that we like. Um, that's typically what uh, what we're doing for very high quality. You know, typically, uh, you know, we can go down to a still investment grade, but triple B, and maybe pick up uh, four to five somewhere in that vicinity potentially. So you like um, so individual bonds instead of bond funds or, or correct, unit trusts exactly. or ETFs? Exactly. It's because yeah. they mature, or why do you like? Because for for bonds, yeah. there's often a big spread. Uh, for individuals, unless you buy a huge amount, um, right? Well, that's you know that's one of the options that we have available to us is to buy huge amounts through whether um, you know especially we use a, a third party manager that specializes in in, in income uh, uh, with this and and income generating vehicles and bonds and such, and so they help us as well as we do our own um, uh, management of that. But the idea there being is that the individuals I like because you can hold them to maturity, and that's what makes them safer. Than bond funds, and so as we've seen, what are some um, issuers of individual corporate bonds that you've gotten into recently that you would like? Well, that would be uh, ones like um, uh, you know, uh, GE would be one, um, or some of the. Um, I'm trying to um, pull up some of my clients' accounts so I can re- recall these because um, I'm getting. Uh, 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 um, but big, big. Well, uh, not junk bonds. You're talking about these are yeah, exactly. high quality corporates. Exactly, exactly. So, um, uh, um, oh, I'm drawing a blank on that right at the moment. Okay. All right. Well, yeah, that's the idea. All right. So let's go to another topic, which is uh, life insurance. So um, do you find a lot of your clients are underinsured, and do you recommend that they do whole life insurance or index universal or, or universal? What kind of insurance yeah. is appropriate from your, your point of view? Oh boy, that's a that's a that's a big area. Um, you know, first of all, what I find, Jordan, is that baby boomers have not um, uh, many of them, at least, do not have the retirements that they expected that they would have as they approach retirement. And maybe they're in their maybe they're in their their mid fifties or whatnot. And uh, you know, you got two people working, and so that creates a a danger to their retirement because they're counting on both those incomes to save up for retirement. And should one not be there, that's going to affect the other one's retirement. So that's sometimes a use that we have for life insurance. But then another use that we have for life insurance is that of using it as a um, uh, an asset class. Uh, so whereas today where, you know, the banks, you know, people want to have safe money, they want to have liquid money, they have it in the banks, uh, but banks are paying them next to nothing, uh, life insurance companies can, can generate, some of them can generate as much as 3% um, uh, for, per year. Um, sometimes it might be after two or, you know, after three years or so that uh, I have clients that are generating 3 4%, but, um, uh, you know, that works out well for them to be able to have liquid money where they can get to. Um, and the death benefit is, is you know, an after fact. It's, it's icing on the cake if they want it that goes to their kids. But just the financial aspect makes a lot of sense for people. We use um, a lot of uh, whole life insurance. Um, you know, index UL sometimes we use because it goes up when the market goes up, but not down when the market comes down. But uh, that, that, um, 
course, as we talked about with the annuities, it doesn't uh, it doesn't take all the ups. You know, you know, you don't get uh, all the upside of the market. Um, but uh, I like whole life insurance, uh, especially because whole life insurance w- uh, from a good dividend paying company, a good mutual company, uh, will create this um, uh, this strength, the, this this income. Uh, that people want and this liquidity that people want and still be very safe from that angle. So, um, uh, I, I, you know, that's what I like to use. Uh-huh. Okay, very good. All right, let's go to some, so we talked about all the different alternatives you're talking about, life insurance, um, fixed index annuities, individual bonds, real estate investment trusts, preferred stocks. So the idea is if somebody came to you, you'd help put together a portfolio of all these different things to give them some safety of principle and decent yields compared to, zero percent or so at the bank these days on CDs and money funds. Is that basically what you're offering here? Yes, correct. Correct. Very good. All right, so let's take a kind of broader look now um, at what, what's happening in the overall economy. The Federal Reserve uh, had quantitative easing for many years. They stopped doing that. They started raising rates uh, in December. Um, do you think the Fed's going to be raising rates more here, or what is your outlook for uh, Fed policy for this year? Um, um, I believe that they're, yes, going to raise some the rates a little bit more. I don't think that they can necessarily do a whole lot more, if any. Um, I think, um, I think uh, Janet Yellen had to raise the rates uh, because they've been talking for, for so many years that, uh, uh, that they were going to or needed to but never had. And so I think it was kind of like uh, they, they were forced into a corner from that standpoint. Um, they may go, decide to go a little bit more with that, although I don't think it's really um, in the best interest in the, in the economy from that. I think we're seeing that with the, um, uh, the effect upon the market at, at this point in time and, and um, you know, with the market having uh, been hit so hard since May of last year, um, where it hit, eight, it hit 18,000, almost 400, um, and now in, this, in the low 16s, and that's up from where it was in the low 15s, um, um, I think that that, that that interest rate, if they do, you know, they may decide to do that, but um, I think that that won't look very pretty in regard to um, the market. So and do you think things. they should be raising rates? Is there a concern about inflation? Is it, if you were in the Federal Reserve, would you be raising rates under current economic conditions? Um, um, that's a good question. I've, I've, I've never thought about what I'd do. It's always easier to be a Monday, M- Monday quarterback, you know, but uh, um, the... Uh, I guess from that standpoint is that I, I would um, try to leave them as they are um, myself because of, um, uh, I mean, they're just the economy is not strong enough that the things that are out there, people don't have jobs um, like, they, like they used to, and um, not enough taxes being paid um, from that standpoint. So you don't think the Fed should be raising rates. How about on an international scale uh, where we have negative interest rates in Europe, and Japan, other places, signs of right. deflation, really. Uh, right. Is there something that should be done about that, or do you think those rates will, will go even further negative? Oh, that's, that is just absolutely um, uh, crazy what's happening with that. And, um, uh, you know, I don't know how, I don't know how they can uh, go more negative, but, uh, and, and it's negatives more, but, I mean, I suppose anything's possible. Um, but I don't know. I don't think that they should be. I think that they should be being um, uh, more solidified. That 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 uh, all these different places should be able to, um, uh, um, uh, you know, hold themselves up by the bootstraps and uh, look at that more closely and be, do a better job of that. So how how do you invest in a deflationary world where you have negative interest rates in in large parts of the the world? 
<laughs> Very carefully. <laughs> okay. I mean, it, it's a new environment we're in, really, and it's hard You're for right. people to figure out what You're to right. do. I mean, in Europe, if you go to a Swiss bank, you get like minus 2% or something like that. Right. Um, and, and the Japanese long-term, the 10-year treasury in the Japan is now in negative as well. Right, um, right. So you, you say you don't think that they're going to go further negative, but you're saying the place to put your money is all the things we talked about before, the preferreds, the BDCs, and so on. Right. Right, you know, you know the, uh, you know, when it comes down to it, I think that, um, uh, you know, all of Europe, Europe tends to follow what uh, what our economy does. Um, uh, our economy has been uh, one of the strongest uh, in the world, and and uh, it's very difficult to um, go out when we go outside of ours into the into the foreign fields and whatnot. That it makes it much more difficult with the exchange rates and uh, and various things that we don't um, have have uh, control over and uh, so it makes it much more difficult so um, you know that so, so you're saying you're, you're not recommending people put money into foreign uh, stocks or bonds at this point uh, because of the right. currency situation is that correct exactly right that's that's part of it right and you know that's when that's about the only time I get involved with uh, you know earlier on I told you I didn't really like mutual funds and that, that's about the time I like mutual funds is when we're talking about foreign stuff because they know a little bit more about what they're doing as, as far as all those different managing of the risk a little bit better and easier although um, I don't think that this is a good time to be going into mutual funds because of where we stand I think we're going to end up seeing the market go a lot lower before it goes higher and so uh, you know when does and so so what is the reason for that Andrew what is the reason you think the stock market is going to go much lower well you know that's a good I'm glad you asked me that question Jordan Um, you know the the one of the things is that I've looked back um, into history uh, in the stock market at least here in the US and looking back um, uh, to when the the, the stock market first started in the late 1800s that the market um, you know goes through uh, a full stock market cycle is 30 to 40 years uh, made up of a 15 to 20 year bear market where it hibernates and, and doesn't really do a whole lot and at a 15 20 year bull market where it charges like a bull and the you know obviously that you know 1980 the Dow was at 700. By the time 2000 came about, the Dow was at 18, at, at 11,700, grown 17-fold or so, and uh, then you know over the past, uh, that was the that was a, the last bull market that we were in, as far as I'm concerned. I'm talking long-term secular bull markets, and um, you know since then we've been in what I call a long-term secular bear market where um, typically there's three to five peaks and valleys in these historically. And um, I think we can even go back and get the raw data from the 1800s when there wasn't a Dow and, and see the same thing. But with that, uh, we've had only two um, uh, um, bear, we've had only two drops so far in this uh, serious major drops in this long-term bear market, um, and I'm expecting a, a third one. Like I said, typically there's three to five major drops during a bear 15, 20-year bear market. So it's based on long-term cycles, not anything particularly going on right now in the economy. Well, we talked about deflation and negative interest rates and all that. It's, uh-huh. it's your, your, your belief in these long-term cycles that we're due for another down leg is what you're saying. Right, right, exactly. And, but also with what's going on in the economy and so forth is that, you know, the, I believe that the only reason why the market got up into the 18, 
18,000 range was because of the um, uh, quantitative easing and TARP and all the different um, influx uh, that the government had put into the market and uh, dri- had driven it up. And I think that uh, when, they took, when they stopped doing that in October of 2014, that it took a while for those effects to finally um, come off. For, you know, it's kind of like a, a sugar high or even a steroid, uh, um, you know, that the steroids finally wore off. And that's why we saw at the, at, in August of last year that the market finally started coming down and has continued kind of on that uh, vein since that point. And, um, you know, and unless, I mean, I suppose the government can come out and do another, um, uh, you know, quantitative easing or the like or some kind of um, a stimulus program and um, try to get it going the other way. But I don't think they're going to do that at this point, being an election year and, and that kind of thing. Yeah. But, um, um, you know, that's kind of what I, I think there's a lot of different things. And the economy is not strong. It's not like the 80s and 90s when, when people were buying houses and having kids and doing all kinds of things. That's that stuff doesn't that that's not happening today like it did back then it's different now a lot different like you pointed out earlier very so. good All right, we have to go to a break uh, this is Jordan Goodman of the Money Answer Show my guest this hour is Andrew Agami uh, he is a uh, the founder and president of Agami Financial Strategies based in Guilford Connecticut you can find out more about him at his website agamifinancialstrategies.com we'll be back after this. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. What if every day was a good day for business? Because every decision you made was the best choice. What if you could receive regular input from credible sources and could acquire all the precise information you need exactly when you need it so you can make the right decision every single time? Because There's More challenges you to make better decisions. Join Laura Ellis every Monday at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific, and 2 p.m. GMT on the Voice America Business Channel and learn how to think differently for better decisions, better business. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Andrew Ajami. Uh, he is a financial advisor and president of Ajami Financial Strategies based in Guilford, Connecticut. Uh, his website, ajamifinancialstrategies.com. Welcome back to the show, Andrew. Okay, thank you. So let's talk about commodities a little bit. We've had a dramatic drop in oil prices, but other commodities too, copper, all, name of all of them. Um, is that bottomed out? Is that going to go down further? What is your outlook for commodities here? 
Um, I think they're going to still go down a little bit more um, before we see the bottom on that. Um, you know, especially on the oil side, I think uh, that there's there we're going to see more of that happen. And uh, whether or not it hits the pumps, well, I mean, where I am, it's, gas prices are still going down. But I think uh, oil is is still going to go down a little bit more before it bottoms out. Is, is that a net positive or net negative for the U.S. economy? Um, <laughs> oh, that's a good question. Um, you know, I think I think from a, a philosoph- philosophical standpoint that it's a, it's still a, a negative um, from the from the aspect of that people still having a difficult time with uh, with their finances, even though they're paying less at the pump. It's nice when you go to the pump and see it, but I think uh, overall that that's uh, that's still a negative. Uh, um, it's still not not in good shape. So. Okay, so commodity prices will fall further. Another area I want to talk about was Social Security. So uh, we have about 10,000 people a day turning 65, starting to collect more and more Social Security and Medicare for that matter. Are you concerned about the solvency of the Social Security Fund? And when is it appropriate to help people, you know, uh, to help people know when to start taking Social Security? They can start at 62. If they wait till 70, they get more. You're probably advising people all the time on making that decision. Right, right, exactly. You're exactly right. And as far as the solvency goes, you know, uh, uh, Social Security says that um, that's going to be until uh, that, that there's nothing to worry about until the year 2033. Is that true? Well, you know, who knows? You know, we we can uh, do all kinds of analyzing to and uh, all looking at it from all different angles that people will be able to uh, uh, say uh, say that. Um, from one aspect, I think Social Security in some form will be there no matter what um, uh, because um, uh, the, just the social program that it is. Uh, people are used to it. It may not be as much as it was in the future, perhaps. Um, I'm a big proponent of uh, increasing the age. I mean, uh, they did that to us back uh, when we were uh, 20s and so forth, to baby boomers, I'm saying. And, and um, you know, I think that that's the same thing now because um, uh, just what's So, so that's the main thing you think is going to change is they'll raise the requirement, uh, the minimum uh, uh, full retirement age. But you don't think there'll be any benefit cuts or tax increases in Social Security? Well, well, they've already started to cut the benefits a little bit from the standpoint of the different options that you have to take, and that's what's happening this year is that they're taking away um, um, things like uh, file suspend for for a lot of people, um, a certain age group, you know, basically uh, uh, those who have uh, were born in uh, uh, after 1954, um, being. Uh, very general there, but um, they're taking away some of those things even now. Um, I think that the government is going to look at that because they have to look at the, at Social Security and make some changes. What those changes will be, um, I don't know. But unfortunately, uh, you know, there, there's nobody wants to take this bull by the horn and, and actually get uh, get get something good together here. That so what would you do? I'm going to make you uh, the the president, <laughs> and you have complete power over Social Security. What would you What would you do to make it more solvent? Well, um, I would I would definitely de- uh, um, extend the age as for full Social Security retirement for those who are younger. Um, I would probably, as much as I don't like the fact that they're doing away with um, uh, the file and suspend rule and that kind of thing, I would uh, have to agree with them that something has to be done. Um, I would also look at it from the standpoint of uh, you know somebody can have been divorced and remarried. Uh, uh, three, four different times, as long as they were married for four different for for ten years each, each one of those um, um, spouses 
could qualify potentially for that uh, Social Security on that on on that main spouse that was married four times. Um, I don't think that that is uh, uh, really in line either, and um, uh, you know I would do something to change that as well. Uh, maybe put a limit of some sort on that. But um, uh, so basically, I, and then on the Medicare front, Medicare in a certain way is in worse financial shape than Social Security. Are you yeah. concerned about Medicare and what should be done about that? Oh, that's a good question. Um, uh, yes, I am concerned about that. And what should be can be done about that is that um, uh, I think that um, you know the the government getting involved with it is um, uh, well, they're already involved with it. But I think I think they, that needs to just be overhauled totally and um, looked at. Uh, you know, this year Social Security there was no there's no increase for Social Security this year, but they're increasing Medicare, so it's a it's a net negative. Uh, it's a decrease from that standpoint to to most people, and um, uh, that. That that this needs to be changed. It's it's not working the way that it is. That's for sure. Yeah. Okay. Another area you're concerned about is estate planning. Uh, what kind of things? Are, you're not a lawyer yourself, but what kind of things should people put in place uh, to make sure they don't pay too much in estate taxes and have everything go well when they pass on? Well, I'm I'm glad you brought that up. And what I like to just say in regard to that is the amount of time, money, and effort involved with people taking care of their documents uh, at this point, at this stage in their life, is 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 less than what the time, money, and effort than somebody that is left over would have to pay, whether that be through estate um, taxes or just um, uh, through probate fees and so forth. And so the typical things that I recommend to people are, number one, take care of your will. Make sure your will is up to date, doing what you want it to do. Um, number two is a health directive that is going to be able to uh, direct the uh, hospital people that as far as uh, who you can talk, who they can talk to should you be in an an operation or something who can give them medical uh, um, uh, directives. Um, The third is uh, power of attorney. And, of course, the fourth would be a living will from that standpoint, that those are the minimal things to take care of people's estate. As far as estate taxes go, you need to be able to see a, a, a good estate Planning ter- attorney that will that knows that not just somebody that does you know uh, um, um, real estate uh, today and tomorrow he's doing your will that can work for some people but if you have a large estates in the state of Connecticut if your estate is approaching a two million dollar mark that you need to be looking at seeing oh, hey what can we do about um, uh, protecting some of this uh, from going to the state the state of Connecticut is now the the most expensive state to die in because of that but. Uh, so do you find when people come to you, in many cases, they do not have these papers, they do not have powers of attorney and wills and all these things put together, and, and they're, yeah. they need to have this done? Yeah, very much so. You're, you're correct. Many times they, have, they don't have those things. Sometimes they do, but many times they don't have their things, and they're saying we need to get these things together and in place and update. You know, usually they have a will, but it's like, you know, when the kids were small kind of thing, you know, and so it's outdated. But, uh, and, and sometimes people come in and they have some more recent documents, but they're not uh, going to, you know, really beneficial to them from that standpoint. Um, many times one of the, the gravest, uh, the, the, the greatest uh, um, um, uh, catastrophes that I see is where people have um, uh, living trusts when they don't need living trusts or they don't fund the living trusts. And um, that can be a very much problem. It's a follow through on it. Yeah, very good. Yeah. All right, well, terrific. We've covered a lot of ground. Uh, my guest this hour has been Andrew Agamy, 
Uh, his uh, website is agamyfinancialstrategies.com. He's based in Guilford, Connecticut. And we've covered a lot of ground on uh, how to earn high yields relatively safely on bonds. And we talked about estate planning and Social Security and whole life insurance, a whole bunch of different things during this hour. So it's <laughs> right. been very educational. And thanks for being a guest on the Money Answer Show, Andrew. Thanks, Jordan. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks again. And we'll be back with another edition of the Money Answer Show next week. Goodbye for now. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and the Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week.